Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. On today's podcast, we talk about a number of topics included but not limited to a discussion around the flu vaccine and whether people uh, are planning on getting one or not. Now's the time to be thinking about a flu vaccine. We talk to Tim and about his virtual Boston Marathon. Tim is a sub two hour 40 minute marathoner that is a 604 per mile pace for a full marathon and also a sub 10 hour Ironman. He's absolutely inspiring to me. He tries to take care of himself and does something every day and um, because all the races were canceled did um, a virtual race. He also had COVID so we we talk about how all of those things have uh, impacted him and his training. We have a number of medical observations uh, that we talk through. We talk about the importance of taking care of your teeth and how important taking care of your teeth and flossing is for overall good health and how many of us are struggling not being able to go to the dentist right now. Uh, The importance of maintaining the vaccinations for kids and keeping them on schedule. The importance of getting a physical with blood work. And that's it. Hope you enjoy. Jim, I'm sorry I was late. So have y'all talked to, I mean, like, is everybody getting the flu vaccination? Have we had that conversation? I'm not trying to be politically, you know, polarizing. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't be, don't, you can say whatever you want. This is a safe place. I mean, I'm getting a vaccination. Mine, I'm going in October like I always did, the first or second week in October. Well, it's interesting. I'll talk about the flu vac- vaccination, then, Tony, I'd like to talk about you. So um, I, I, with somebody with a weakened immune system, I used to get the flu vaccine every year, and I haven't gotten it in the last three or four years. It, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Tony, you might be surprised by that. I've tried to live this holistic, healthy life, and I haven't gotten the flu in the last three and four years. My daughter, my younger daughter, got the flu last, I think it was in November, and we went to the doctor in the Upper West Side in New York City, and they said she is the first person to have influenza A on the Upper West Side that we've had in our office. And my, you know, her, her doctor said, Jim, you, you, you have a weak immune system. You need to get on Tamiflu right now. And you, you, what do you mean you didn't get a flu shot? You should get a flu shot. So I didn't do it. And um, my wife ended up getting the flu along with my younger daughter and my older daughter and I did not. We were careful about touching our faces and we were careful about kind of staying away from each other. And, um, you know, the reason I haven't gotten the flu shot for the last three or four years is because I think in the best years, the flu vaccination efficacy is like in the high 40s, 40%. That's what I've heard. Uh, Tony, you can quote me if I'm wrong on that. And in many years, it's in the 20s, right? 20 some percent effective, right? So I've always just said, I'd rather just holistically try and beat it. I am not one of these anti-vaccine people. I'm all for vaccine. And, um, but I, I haven't done that. I'm still debating. I don't know what the answer is. And Tony, I'm interested in what you think about, you know, we're sitting here now saying, should we go get a flu shot? Right. And they're saying now the flu is probably going to be bad this year. Even if the efficacy is only in the twenties, it might be still worth doing. The biggest thing about the, the COVID vaccine that people are talking about is what is going to be the efficacy. You've heard it, Tony Fauci talk about, he's hoping it's at least 70 or 75%, but if it's like the flu, you know, you're gonna have to do it every year and, you know, and it'll probably just knock it down and you won't get quite as sick, but there's many people that are going to get the vaccine um, and they will still get the flu. I know a number of times I've been hospitalized for Crohn's. There have been some years when I've been hospitalized with a Crohn's flare up where they'll say, and by the way, you have the flu. Well, I got the flu vaccine. What do you mean I still have the flu? Well, that's because it's only X effective. And when I got typhoid fever after spending time in India, they said the typhoid vaccine was only like 50% effective. 
So I'll stop there. Tony, I'm going to turn it over to you and see if you have a view on vaccines. You may or may not. So I personally, as a pediatric urologist, don't really have a view, but I listen to the experts in the field and they keep telling us, even though the efficacy is not that good, on balance, it is of a huge benefit to our society. Good point. So I don't have a choice. My employer says either I get the flu vaccine or I don't cash my check. And, right. you know, fundamentally, I'm okay with that. I, I'm in a position where if I get it, I may accidentally spread it to a bunch of people. I don't really want to do that. No, of course not. Yeah. So I get it. I have my own doubts about how effective it really is. Um, there's also a little bit of sort of interesting literature that says maybe getting it later in the season has some value because if you get it too early and then it's um, effects wear off, you're more likely to get sick like in January, February, March. So again, I don't really have a choice. They tell me I got to get it by such and such a date or something. I don't really know, but there's some inter interesting literature on that. Did you get your flu shot for this season yet? I didn't. Um, I don't even think our flu vaccine clinics are open yet. I think that's coming in a few weeks. Yeah, because I started, I'm sorry to see it at CVS. You know, you can go get your flu shot, you know. And so I, has anybody gotten a flu shot yet? What are no. people's views on it? Are people, hey, hey, Jeff, are people going, are people going to get a flu shot? Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing it. I mean, I, 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 I think to your point, if, if it's a little bit helpful to society at large, especially because if you can keep more people out of the hospital this fall and leave it to the coronavirus cases that need to be treated, right? I mean, I think it's probably a good idea. So I was planning on doing it and having the family do it. I, was, I never paid a lot of attention to getting it, Jim, kind of like you said, like, I think I got one last year. Um, I, I don't know about the year before. I mean, I haven't had the flu, I don't think, as an adult. So I feel like um, I'm just going to do it and have the family go do it. Just go to, you know, I think the local Walgreens or go to the doctor and just make sure, uh, yeah, we do that. That's my yeah. thought. You've never gotten the flu as an adult? Did I hear that right? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. Not that I'm aware of. We all want your gifts, Emilio. <laughs> That's yeah, I've, had other, I've had other crazy things happen to me that you wouldn't want. So it, it balances out. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Anybody else want to talk about the flu? Uh, my daughter, who's 11, and my wife got the flu shot, I think, last week. Um, and talk about vaccinations. My daughter was out of New York State and had to get vaccinated. And the doctor in South Carolina didn't have the shots. And it was thousands of dollars for it to be sent to him, an injector. So she went to a CVS or whatever, Rite Aid, and they did it there. So, um, but scary enough, I have not gotten physical because of COVID, so I'm long overdue. Right, and, and I, want you, I, want I, you to get, I want you to get blood work, as we've talked about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I haven't gotten a teeth cleaning either, uh, long overdue. So, um it's on my radar to do by my goal is before October. So, and get a flu shot in October is what I'm thinking. Now, Tony, if we get the flu shot, do they give us the flu? Like you get a little bit of the flu, right? Like, 
people sometimes I, like I when I used to get the flu shot, I, I swear I get sick every time I got it. That's one of the reasons I stopped getting it. To be frank, maybe it was in my head, but um, what you're describing in my experience is quite common. And again, I'm not an expert in that kind of stuff, but not just you, but me and a lot of my coworkers all say the same thing. Yeah, you you kind of like get a few days of not feeling quite so hot. So um, fundamentally, yes, I think you're correct. Yep, it sucks, but it is it is it what does. it is. And I agree with the point of, you know, if we go through this second wave or third wave or whatever it is for COVID and people are inside more, hopefully it doesn't mutate, then it is the right thing to do to get it to try and keep people out of hospitals. Right. Jan, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm getting a flu shot. I'm getting mine in October like I normally do. I generally take two extra strength Tylenol before I go in and get it done. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm weird. I'm kind of one of those that, you know, I try and do it within a week or two of each year when I go get it done. Um, I don't think that's weird at all. I think it's organized. And, and I, like, I like planners. Um, you know, and so that's just kind of the way I, you know, yeah. And I'm we'll get the vaccine whenever, you know, probably not the first round of the COVID vaccine, but I got a feeling you're going to have to get that vaccine if you think you're ever going to get to leave the country again too. So I'm, I'm ready. Let's get on with it. How many people would get the vaccine right away uh, for COVID, the COVID vaccine? I want round two. I, I don't want it in the first two months, but I'll do it in month three. Anybody else? It also depends on which, which one it is. I would I would probably try to figure out which one I wanted to get as opposed to the easy one that's you know sort of got some issues. Right, and and the timing too. I mean, if you if you really started to feel that it was rushed through, I mean, would you take the Russian vaccine right now? I, I would. That's not. what I said. I, yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> want the Putin vaccine, right, right Amelia? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't think uh, I'm not going to sign up for that. So yeah, I I would take it, but you know next spring or, you know, after a little bit of time, I think, if you felt like, but I, I, I would, I would take, but yeah, I agree with you. Not, not so early. Put it, putting aside political affiliations, I'm an independent, so I have views on both sides of the aisle. Um, I thought it was great that the nine largest vaccine makers last week all banded together and said, we, we hereby decree that we will not rush and we will not be forced politically into pushing something out earlier that's gonna be unhealthy. You had the uh, vaccine in Europe uh, where they had to stop it for a week because they were worried about some inflammation in somebody who knows if that was caused with a vaccine or not. But I saw yesterday, the day before they restarted their process. Okay. So that was good. Tim, you're, you're, are you, you're a healthcare investment banker, right? Yep. So how are you seeing the, the world of finance dealing with COVID and, and you know, that kind of, and the vaccines and everything? You have any views? Well, the so the companies that I cover are primarily supplying in inputs into the manufacturing of vaccines. Mm. And some of those companies are just on fire right now. I mean, they're, they're just killing it because there's such a buildup of, of vaccines that's, that's going on right now. Because um, so, they're all making them even though they might not be working. That's right. Interesting. They're, working, they're, they're making them in, in anticipation of an approval so that they're ready to go. And, and do, you, do you anticipate, uh, uh, I know you want this, but I don't know if you actually anticipate it, but are you, do you think there's going to be a lot of M&A in the sector now where a lot of these guys are going to buy each other and, you know, vertically integrate some of these businesses or do you think they'll stay separate? 
I think pharma will continue to consolidate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's, it's, it's probably a good thing for M&A overall in the sector, just by virtue of, you know, well, the overall market's up a lot too. So market value is, is just, you know, sort of higher. So the amount of dollars that you have to play with are higher too. So I, I think generally it's, it's positive. Yeah. I think there is a need for another stimulus package, by the way, too. It would be great if they could actually negotiate one and get one done, because I think if we don't see one, you're going to start to see a lot of the pain, which is, you know, backlogged right now, really start to show up. Uh, and I, I will get the vaccine. I just don't want to be the first, I don't want to be the first person to get the iPhone one. You know what I mean? Like that has all kinds <laughs> of issues. I want to get the iPhone one a, you know, or one S yeah. right. I think Jan, I mean, that's Jim, what you're saying. I, I've got a feeling there'll be more of a shortage than not because to the yeah. good doctor, um, the, the, the medical profession is going to have to, I mean, they're going to probably demand that they get it before any of us even have the chance to get it. Yeah, Tony, you should be getting that when it's out. And you will you yeah. get it when it comes out? Yeah, I'm probably not going to have a choice. I'm, I'll be the guinea pig for you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's fine. Which is you why know, it's so much more important yeah. for you to stay healthy and yeah. live healthy. <laughs> right. So, Jim, I'll tell you, and I don't know if they've changed this rule, but I've got nieces and nephews at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And before school started this year, um, they had, and they're adult, you know, they're over 18, so they're technically adults. They had to agree to get the flu, a flu vaccine this year, and they had to agree to get a COVID um, vaccine when available, um, or they would not be admitted into school or would be excused from school with no refund back on their tuition. Hmm, so, like, they had to affirmatively agree to do that at the beginning of school this year. So sorry. Okay, that's that's pretty amazing. I, my friends yeah. and and my brother John yeah. were texting about our wild days at Wisconsin, which is crazy. Yeah. And we all said to each other, we posed the following question: Would you go to parties right now or not? And every one of us said, one thousand percent, we still would be going to parties. Right. The well, only way no, that those parties are going to stop yeah. is if people are told they well, can't go not. to those parties. It the other thing I think that's coming out in the news this week, and it started, it's been going out. We've all suspected it, and you'll see it. A lot of these college football teams, most of them have been through COVID already. I think a bunch of them this summer decided that, I mean, if you look at LSU, they've had COVID. I mean, you look at a lot of these schools, most of their players have already gotten COVID. Yeah, it's fascinating because I'm a big, big football fan, college football, yeah. Wisconsin, and pro football, and I got this email from a group uh, that I've been doing fantasy football with for over 20 some years. Most of them are in Milwaukee, some are all over the country. And they're like, let's do a fantasy football draft. And I was like, are we having football? I haven't stayed up on it at all. And we did a draft and they had the first game last Thursday and they had opening Sunday. They did 5,000 tests in the NFL and they said they had zero positive tests. Right. And I think the NFL players are wearing a bracelet also that if somebody gets it, that the bracelet has a contract tracing and everything. So I think that's great. The NBA is in a bubble right now. I'm a big basketball fan and they've had no positive cases, which is super exciting. You had a guy on the Houston Rockets last week, I think house, he was uh, he suspended. Booted. He got booted, yeah. right? Because they said that he broke the protocol. Apparently there was a woman that came in that delivered some stuff to them or whatever. I don't know, but and that was, I, I heard more widespread than what they had reported, but no positive cases there. So it's great to see that we're figuring out how to live with this to some degree. 
But I, the problem I see is that people are letting their guard down and, you know, yeah. I'm sitting in Orange County, California, and Tim, you are too, um, which is crazy that we're very close to each other right now in proximity. But, you know, you know, the Orange County, California, there's no mask. There's very little mask wearing here. And there's, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. How you doing, Tim? Good. How are you? Good. What's going on? How about we start with talking to Tim about um, virtual racing? So Tim is a super, super, super gifted athlete that I'm very jealous of. Don't blush. Um, you are a triathlete, uh, an Ironman triathlete, and a marathon runner. You have run a 239 or 240 marathon. Is that right? Sub 240. Sub 240. That was in Berlin. Is that right? Last year. And you did a sub 10-hour Ironman, if I recall. That's right. Which is amazing. Tim and I uh, went into a lab and got an analysis from Polly where uh, we wanted to do kind of a metabolic efficiency analysis of Tim. He wore the mask that captures your uh, oxygen output, your carbon dioxide output, uh, your fat burning, your carbohydrate burning. They plug your nose. It's very, very, very uncomfortable, but you were off the charts, if I recall, in that. Um, I remember what the tester said to you more than anything else. You were about to have your first child. And I think she said flat out, make sure your kid is a runner. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you remember what she said? That's right. Yes. The way, the way that test works is they, they, they put a mask on you. They plug your nose. They measure your uh, breathing to measure your carbohydrate and fat burning at rest. So I think you sat down in a chair, measured it. I was present for this test. And, um, and then they see what percent are you burning when you're at rest of carbohydrates and fats. We talked about trying to become efficient metabolically or metabolically efficient. And so we did that. And then uh, I think it was three minute intervals or four minute intervals. I can't remember. Do you remember? Mm, I don't remember. It maybe, was, it's, maybe it's three. Uh, minutes. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. It was, and, they felt long though. <laughs> on a, yeah, on a treadmill. And then you jump off, you, you kind of jump off the treadmill where you just put your feet to the side and then they prick your finger and they measure your lactic acid levels. And you went for a long time, if I recall. And I remember your last six or nine minutes were in the low fives for your pace, if I remember, five minutes-ish per mile. Is that right? Yes. That yeah, is amazing. Right. And you didn't even run high school cross country or anything, right? Were you a hockey no. player? I can't remember. What did you play? Yep, hockey. Were That's you a right. goalie? That's right. Wow. A goalie with that gift. That is. <laughs> And there are many people who are going to listen to this and say, that's a real gift. So, look, I wanted to talk to you, Tim, about you just did, I think, the virtual marathon for Boston, right? So right. I, want, I want to talk to you about that, how that was. What did you do? What did you get out of it? And then maybe we, we can talk about a few other things after that. But you just did that. And tell me about it. Sure. So, um, like everybody on the call, you know, obviously plans change for the year. And, um, you know, so everything just fell apart from an endurance sports playing perspective. Um, so um, based on the fact that I have relatively little time for fitness between family and, and my son, um, you know, work and all that stuff, I, I typically will train up to around eight hours per week. And I like to have one or two priority events on the calendar for each year. Um, so this year I was focused on trying to PR again, um, but at the New York Marathon, and then I was also signed up for Boston. That's a tough so race. So when Boston was, 
the New York marathon is a tough race to PR in. In my experience, somebody that goes out and runs your kind of pace to 39 and Berlin could be 10 minutes slower, maybe more. Yes. I don't remember what your was, PR is for I New was, York. I was prepared to get better, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Do, doing it at Berlin would, would obviously be more ideal. Yeah. Berlin's <laughs> a flat course and the weather's perfect there and the humidity's perfect there. That's where the PRs are usually set. That's where the world record has been set, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And psychologically, there's a small and very gradual downhill after, like, you know, sort of after you reach around, uh, around 10K left. So you just feel like you're, you can go a little faster. Oh, that's it's, amazing. It's so nice. That is such a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, when Boston was pushed to September, held out some hope, but not a lot. Then both that and New York were canceled. Um, so I had nothing on the calendar for this year. And even though I originally had thought that doing a virtual marathon was just odd, I did bite the bullet and, and signed up for it. Um, and so, what did that comprise of? Did you still have to qualify for Boston and you could only do unless, because uh, some people can fundraise, you've obviously qualified. Yeah, so I, I think it was available to anyone who was registered for the, for the in-person. Mm -hmm. um, and then they opened it up for, you know, sort of virtual participation. And then there was some, you know, sort of number of people that they, you know, a cap on number of people that they allowed to like get the swag for the 50 bucks that you, mm -hmm. that you paid. So you paid so, 50 bucks and you did get swag. I, yes, I paid 50 bucks. The swag is at, at our apartment in New York, um, which obviously we're not, we're not at, but yeah, I'll pick it up at some point. By the way, Tim is uh, right down the street from where I am. Uh, <laughs> He came out to California also, which is pretty awesome. Indeed, indeed, it's been it's been good. Aside from the aside from the smoke, yeah. um, so in terms of preparation, normal course for me is to keep my fitness level pretty consistent six seven six to seven days per week of activity. Um, my coach will give me the workouts to do, and I'll ramp ahead of the a races and just and do the workouts. Um, I usually don't miss days aside from a couple times over the last four years. One was when I fractured my spine, when, uh, when I crashed my bike, had surgery. Um, and then the second was this March when I had COVID, um, and with my family, everybody had COVID. Uh, so we had, you know, sort of a week off or whatever, whatever it was. Um, so let's talk about the COVID first. So you did get COVID. I think you were in Door County when you found out. Is that right? That's right. Door County, Wisconsin. Exactly. Tim went to Wisconsin also. You're from Wisconsin, right? Yep. Um, so how, how did you know you had it? Was it your wife had some uh, pain in her lungs first? I can't remember. That's right. So she had a bit of a scare. Um, she had trouble breathing and we were debating whether or not to go to the ER uh, to, you know, sort of take her in and make, to make sure she's fine. She ultimately like just calmed herself down, but we pushed really, really hard with the, um, with the, you know, sort of health centers around and got her a test. So she was tested positive for the virus and uh, I, I didn't bother because I was like, if she's positive, then I'm probably positive. Yeah. Um, this was April or May, I think. Right? This was in, this was in March. This was March. March. Okay. Yeah, so pretty, pretty early on in, you know, sort of the spread. Um, afterwards, I, I did get tested for antibodies when we were in, back in New York for a little bit. And I do, I did have po positive antibodies um, as well as my wife. So anyway, um, yeah, it's, it sucked. Wouldn't recommend getting it, but uh, yeah, glad to be on the other side of it. So let's talk about, you know, you're an athlete that you're similar to me, except much, 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 much more gifted. I have no gift uh, where you do something every day. Right. And you just cited, you know, you very rarely don't do something every day. And um, 
How did you feel? And uh, tell me about, like, did you notice an impact? I think I remember you had it. You didn't feel so good. You tried to keep yourself going, but then you realized you couldn't keep yourself going, so you had to take time off, right? Yep. Yep, that's right. So early on when we had arrived in Wisconsin, we had no idea. Uh, I ended up doing some easy runs uh, the first couple of days when we were back. So I ran like seven miles each, each of the days. Um, when, which, know, which for you is nothing. So many people say seven miles. It was, it was fine. You, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was fine. It was, you know, whatever. Um, but I was, I was, I didn't necessarily feel, you know, hundred percent. So there was, there was something just off, but the symptoms like yesterday fever, uh, chills and it, everything else started a couple of days after that. And I just, I just hit the brakes. Um, just to try to recover. What was what was your fever level when you had it? You remember? I think I got up to like 102, give or take. Right. Okay. So you were definitely sick. And did you have problems breathing also? Catching no. your breath? No. No. And then how long did you have fever before you started to exercise again? Like how long did you take off? I I took uh, I took the rest of those next like almost two weeks off. Right. Just to, yeah. And you tried to come back, back, I remember, and you, you felt it, right? And what, what yeah. made you realize that you couldn't come back as quickly as you wanted to come back from it? Um, I think it was just, it was just feel. Uh, you, know, you, you know, like you, you feel how your body is, is you know, on, on a daily basis. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, sort of back, but yeah. Right. One thing I've seen as a coach is I have seen, I, I know a number of people that I've coached that have had the virus and they do come back too fast and then they really get knocked down. Right. And so now that you're recovered, how long did it take you to get back to where you normally were? Like how much did you lose and do you still feel any impact of it? I think there probably is a little bit of lingering impact, um, but it's not significant enough to be able to put my finger on. Um, my heart rate's usually lower when I'm, when I'm doing, you know, longer runs and this, this marathon is, it was, and we'll talk about it, but it was hilly, hilly and it was also pretty hot. Um, heart rate was a lot higher than normal, but I saw that. Uh, yeah. I've never um, seen anywhere near that level. I wondered if it was accurate. I think your average was in the one sixties. You were in the one sixties and you ran a Berlin marathon at two thirty nine, and your heart rate was in the one forties. I think that's right. If that, yep. exactly. That's right. So you Just, think it, was, it has something to do with that? I think, I think so. Uh, although Berlin was like nice and cool and there's no hills. So I don't know if it's, if it's directly compared if I had run Berlin, then obviously you could, you could do, you could use that as um, a better corollary. But. Right. Is there anything else that you feel when you're not exercising that you still think you have some remnants of COVID? Not really. No, not really. And I know I've heard of some people who, who do feel they have like some nerve damage or something like that, but not, not for me. Yeah, I've heard nerve damage or I've heard lung damage, right? And I have seen people definitely come back too fast and then they set them back, back another month, right? Okay, that's interesting. So let's talk about, so you, you signed up for the Boston Marathon, you paid the 50 bucks, they sent you the swag in the mail to your New York place? Is that what they did? And what yes. was the swag? I don't know yet. Oh, um, oh they sent it, okay, yeah. they sent it recently. It's, After the race or before the race? It was before the race. Okay. And then I guess I would include a medal then to get the medal before I the think, race. I think so. I think I've seen some pictures of people with a medal. Okay. <laughs> and so then let's talk about it. We're in Southern California and uh, the air quality out here, even in Southern California is pretty bad. I don't know if you have a watch rechecking or something where you're checking the air quality. I mean, it's been running 115, 120, which they say is 
unhealthy for anybody, right? And here you are about to run a virtual marathon for Boston. So what'd you do? What was your mindset? Where'd you do it? Yeah. So I was monitoring that on AccuWeather. I just looked at, you know, sort of what the, what the air quality was going to be last weekend. It was, it was bad. <clears throat> so I, I looked around. Um, I, I was even debating getting on a plane and going and, and running somewhere, but decided that I would just drive um, and started looking east, started looking northeast uh, and found Death Valley, which was, you know, sort of obviously it's, it's in endurance sports lore, just given bad water starts there. Right. Um, so I was like, oh, might as well check that out and see, see what it's like. Um, and uh, yeah, drove from our house in Newport Beach overnight to stay in a hotel nearby and then drove the rest of the way in the morning. Um, arrived and then, you know, sort of mapped out the course with, the, you know, sort of riding in the car and dropped off seven water bottles and, and just ran it. Ah, so how far was the drive from Newport Beach out to Death Valley? Uh, it was probably all in around four hours. Okay, so you drove most of the way, and then the next the next morning you went and did water bottle drops. You calculated yes. where to put them. So yep. how far apart did you leave them? How did you come up with that math? Uh, it was it was rough math. It was you know, about every four miles. That's okay. what I did. So you yeah. had, you bought seven different water bottles and did that. Yeah. And did, were you carrying the water bottles when you were running then? Yes. Okay. Just water in there? Nothing else? Just, just water. I, did, I do bring a handheld when I run marathon with, uh, with a UCAN in it. So, UCAN, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah I, do, I, do, I do a handheld when I run marathons, and I do the chia seeds, which I love. Nice. But you didn't do that. No, no gels or anything? No other food on the course? No other calories? No. Okay. Let's talk about the race. How hilly? Did you run the bad water course? No, I didn't. I didn't quite make it. <laughs> it was close. It was the same road, but it was uh, it was just yeah. before the start. Yeah. For those who don't know, Badwater is a uh, uh, cult-like race that's I think 135 miles on exactly ridiculously right. hot and hilly course. I mean, you hear these stories of people uh, in like hearses behind like a runner that they fill the hearse with like ice, and people like will get off the course and lay in there for a while, then get back <laughs> out there. It's that hot. So you, you actually did run on the course, so you just didn't do 135 miles. You did 26.2 miles. Yeah, it was, it was close to the course. It wasn't, it wasn't the actual course. Okay. And, yeah. and, and what kind of elevation, elevation gain did you have there? And why did you pick – you just picked that because you thought it was not going to be smoky and you could drive there, right? But you weren't planning yeah. on running a, as hilly a course, right? <laughs> no. What did you do? Like, how, how many, do you remember how many feet elevation gain that was? Uh, yeah, I can, I can look at it. Was it, it was 1,200 maybe? It was something real. Yeah. Well, it was, it was like elevation change, almost 2000, wow. I think. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. Okay. And you just went out and did you, did you pick a time you were going to start or you just decided to start and you ran it? Yeah. I, I wanted to start as early as I could uh, just to, just to you know, sort of get done before it got too hot. Uh, by the time I was done, which was around 11 AM, it was already 90. So it's, it was pretty hot already. Okay. And you and your time was what three hours and seven minutes? I think I think I saw. Yes, the give or take three three oh eight something like that. Well, that's yeah. an amazing amazing accomplishment. And are you happy that you did it? And do you how do you how did you feel about doing a virtual race? Yeah, look, I'm so glad I did it. Um, I I feel like this year is is uh, is less of a you know sort of black hole and incomplete as a result of having completed one. So I feel yeah, yeah feel good about it. 
and you drove out there by yourself, no family, did you ran 26.2 miles yep. and then you probably cooled down. You got back in a car and drove back right away. That's right. And did you have any cramping or any issues with that? Given that you ran in the heat and everything? No, no salt tabs during the race. No, but I did on the way eat quite a bit of uh, beef jerky. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you were ready. Yeah, that's that. Well, congratulations is an amazing accomplishment. One other thing I want to talk to you about quickly is you said that you um, over the last four years had really only missed exercise because of COVID and because of an injury that you got when you were riding your bike. And you're I will call you an elite triathlete with sub 10 hour Ironman races. Talk about what happened. I think you were on the west side of New York City and you passed out. And what happened? Yeah, blacked out. Uh, it was an easy ride up the west side on the bike path. Uh, I was coming south near um, 60th Street, Riverside Park. Um, I don't really remember what happened, but I, I do remember a hard impact and then just feeling you know, sort of dazed. Um, I f figured out you know, later that, that I probably hit someone or you know, sort of straight, straight head on with, a, with another biker. Um, but I made it, made it home, uh, had my wife come down and, and pick me up from, from the bottom of our, you know, sort of part of the building. Uh, she thought that something was really, really off because I kept asking her what happened. And uh, she and my brother took me to the ER and, and, you know, that was, yeah, that was the start of the recovery. And what was the injury? I, f I fractured the facet joint at C6, um, which had to be you know, sort of repaired with, uh, ACDF, uh, so a fusion. Wow. And you figured out where you, if I recall, where you got hurt based on your Garmin watch and when the signal That's ended. Right. Is that right? Yep. Because you could see on the GPS where it happened. So have you done any outdoor riding since then yet or not yet? Only during races. So you'll still race. How many races have you done? And did you do a long one after that or? I just did one half Ironman. Gotcha. Well, it's amazing you're okay. That's why having a bike trainer, I know you shipped your bike trainer out here from New York, right? And so you're doing that a exactly. lot. Are you swimming out here also? Are you able to find a pool? Yep. Great. Absolutely. What's the next what's the next race for you? Uh I don't know. We'll see when when COVID lifts. Yeah. There's no virtual triathlons anywhere right now, right? Crazy. I don't think so. Yeah. So you gotta keep yourself in shape. And exactly. the next and the next virtual marathon? No idea. If you have any ideas, happy to, happy to hear them. Awesome. Well, who, anybody have any questions for Tim? It's an amazing, amazing story. Congratulations. Thank you. That, uh, hey, running, Tony. Running, running down in Badwater sounds pretty, uh, pretty intense. Congrats. Thank you. Do you have a desire to do Badwater ever or do an ultra like that? Never. You probably could win a race with your gift if you wanted to do that. We have Emilio on who is very competitive to ultra marathoner. Nice. Never. Uh, That's no, enough. I, I, I value my sleep. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> and Tony, you were talking, but I think you were on mute. Were you saying something, Tony? Uh, yeah. Well, this is a really basic question. I'm, I'm not that kind of athlete, but what's a virtual marathon? So it is, uh, I'll, I'll answer Joe if you want me to. Um, yeah, it is a, it's a basically a replacement for a, an in-person marathon that some of the major marathons and potentially others are doing to just provide people an opportunity to, to run a marathon. 
but you can see Tim, who's an elite runner, um, the level of planning that went into and the level of importance that went into that race for you. You know, you're thinking about driving, uh, flying somewhere even just to have a goal and shoot for a goal. And I hear this all the time from people like people stop training because they don't have a goal. So it just, that was his goal and that kept you going. And I really respect that and commend that before all the smoke, where were you going to do it out in Southern California? We're going to do it on the PCH or had you thought about it? Yeah, probably same, PCH. Same course that we talked about running basically from Dana point to San Clemente area. Maybe, or maybe just, maybe just closer to where, where we are here in Newport beach. Oh, yeah, I just run up PCH there, run to Laguna maybe and back. That's great. Yep. I like it. What city are you in today? Uh, Milwaukee. You're in Milwaukee, yeah. South side Milwaukee, yeah. Are you uh, – Tony's a doctor. He's my brother. Um, are you seeing um, – you have any commentary around? I'm very interested in how uh, people's lives have changed from a health perspective in going to the doctor, right? I appreciate you're a surgeon and you're seeing, are you seeing any change in what you're seeing in terms of patients? Yeah, we originally had a very drastic downturn and almost did nothing in the month of March, I think it was. And as you know, the whole country was trying to figure out what's safe to do, what's reasonable, what, what do we know? What don't we know? So there was a lot of, uh, sort of extreme back and forth early on. Um, were you restricted by the state that you, was, were your surgeries considered to be elective or emergency? I mean, I would think you do a lot of emergency surgeries. You're a pediatric urologist, correct? Yeah, I, I have very few emergencies. Emer um, very few. But, but I have a different kind of problem. A lot of the procedures I do are on a child and the correct, shall we say, window of, of opportunity to do their procedure is typically for me, it's 10 to 14 months of age. Having a family bring a healthy 12-month-old to a place where there's other patients with COVID-19 never made any sense. So it wasn't the state restricting us. It was us saying to the families, listen, we don't think we should bring your healthy 12-month-old in for an elective procedure. We'll delay it a few months. But the problem is the 18-month-old has a lot of strain or anxiety, and it's a much more, uh, so we say, challenging psychological ordeal for that child. And therefore, it's harder for the parents. Interesting. But, yeah, but the state didn't really restrict us. We, we kind of did that on our own. How long were you restricted, and are you still restricted? We're not restricted anymore. Technically, we have the green light to open back up fully, but none of us, at least to the best of my knowledge, none of us have. We, we've all done slightly longer appointments, and we try not to have a buildup of patients in the waiting room, for example, because we don't think that's a good idea for people to be uh, you know, bumping into each other and interacting with each other. It's hard to social distance with a full waiting room. So we're really spreading out the visits. Yeah, but don't you have a lot of, that's great, but don't you have a lot of people that they, I mean, you're, you exist as a surgeon for a reason. People need surgery. Kids are born with issues, right, that need to be fixed. And so I guess what you're saying is a lot of those people just, there weren't emergencies. They could live with it, but now you're filling the backlog or those people just never had surgery? How, how does that work? We're, we're definitely filling the backlog now. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just at slightly different ages than is typical for us. Um, it's funny to me because... When I started 30 years ago, 
we thought the best age for a lot of the genital surgery on kids was three years of age, which it's actually a horrible age, because in my opinion, because three-year-olds are sort of emerging psychologically as who they are. And then you do something to their privates under general anesthetic. It's, it's really a bad idea. So currently, 10 to 14 months, I think, is a good window. And then again, at four years of age, I think, is a good time for elective uh, genital reconstructive surgery. Gotcha. Are you seeing 100% kids right now, or are you seeing some adults too? So I still have some adults. They're the ones that have problems they were born with, and they're the ones that the my adult urology colleagues are not particularly comfortable dealing with. Hmm. Gotcha. Uh, the, the irony of this is they're the ones that call me on the weekends. They're the <laughs> ones that call me after hours. I, I mean, over this past six months, it's been really kind of interesting that I don't I don't really get calls from my children, children, but from my young adults, I do. And a lot of it's anxiety driven. Some of it's real, uh, should we say medical issues, but a lot of it's stuff that in my opinion could have been dealt with during the daylight hours, but you, you know how people are people and stuff backs up and you wind up calling at 10 o'clock at night instead of three in the afternoon. So yeah, it's life. That's life. What, do you have any other observations about what you're seeing in the medical field? Uh, you know, you mentioned anxiety or anything else that you're seeing, maybe not specifically related to the patients that you do surgeries on, but just in general? Well, kind of not really for me so much, but for general practice people and for pediatricians and whatnot, there's been a trend where a lot of people have not brought their children in for their well child exams. And as a consequence, they're behind on their vaccinations. And I'm not really an expert in this, but what I hear the experts saying is that can lead to some serious um, problems down the road uh, because all those diseases that you normally get vaccinated for, you're now way behind in your vaccinations. And so the experts are saying that's going to be a problem down the road. Um, there was a Chinese paper, I think, that came out recently that said the kids that were at home for school, did the remote school thing, had higher rates of depression and suicide, which I found kind of interesting. And I think the same trend is going on in adults. I think a lot of adult people are delaying their normally scheduled visits to doctors. Yeah, and 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 has the, the you hear about telemedicine all the time right now, and you know. One of the things that I'm interested in is like, I know a lot of people don't even go get their physicals right now. Like, um, uh, is there a way, do you see an up and coming where people are gonna do telemedicine and there's a way that you could see me visually like this through Zoom and then you could order me to go get my blood taken. And then would I feel comfortable enough going to get my blood taken to a place where maybe I'm gonna get COVID? How, how are you thinking about that? And what do you, what's the profession talking about? It's a very good question, very good point. The short answer is yes, that's definitely what we're all headed to. What's going on now that I find really interesting is that, like, if I see you and say you need these blood tests, you now have to call the lab and make an appointment because the same thing happens. To, sorry about that. No, pro no problem. The lab, does, the lab doesn't want a big buildup of people in the waiting rooms, so they're they're scheduling appointments so that it's in a way it's a little better 
because at least you, you know roughly that you're not going to be waiting for an hour to get your blood drawn. Now, things are definitely changing that way. And again, I'm not an expert in this field, but the experts are saying there is definitely concern about people are not getting the normal care that they should get for high blood pressure, for heart disease, for you know, cholesterol issues. And so those effects are going to be felt a little bit down the road you know, six months, a year or two from now. Yeah, it's like, you know, I go to see my cardiologist every six months because my my aorta is borderline big. It's not big. It's, you know, I'm an athlete, whatever. It was borderline big. And I haven't gone for the last six months. And so there's going to be somebody, hopefully it's not me, that that aorta is going to continue to grow and somebody's going to have a heart attack as a result of that, right? And I think that probably is the case. It is going to be later down the road. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the concern is, how much later is it likely to be an issue? And I, I don't know that anybody really knows that yet, but yeah. that, that will become more clear to us as the months and the years go by. I know when we came out to California, my doctor in New York ordered uh, for my family to get a COVID test, right? Um, uh, you know, and there was, I can't remember the reason for it. I think I, they had that thing called COVID toes and I had a couple of my toes that looked a little discolored. And so I said to my doctor, here's a picture of it. And he's like, oh, you should go and get tested. So I made an appointment at, I think it was Quest and I drove to Quest and I got there and the Quest that I made an appointment for online, you know, I'm organized and a planner was closed. Right. And there was no definite, there was no reason for it. And the next option for me was going to be to be only able to go to the hospital and get tested. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And I was frustrated enough with the fact that I had gone to the quest and nobody had told me that I just didn't do it. And I suspect that there's going to be a lot of that out there. And I don't think I was sick and I never felt sick. And, I, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? Now, yep. let's, let's get back to talking about the kids for a second. So when we talk about uh, getting the vaccinations, what are people doing? Like my kids, they, they last had their vaccinations in their physical in November. So I'm still within the window probably of a year. I don't think we had any follow-ups in six months. But like, what's are people just uh, calling their doctors and saying, hey, can I get my shots and just going in and getting the shots the way you described? Or what are people doing? So your kids are a little bit older and you're right. That's easier to um, work out the vaccination schedule. It's the, it's the newborns and the six month olds and the 18 month olds that uh, my understanding from the pediatricians that I work with, their concern is that a lot of those families are pushing those, uh, those dates out a bit. I don't really know what that means in terms of the efficacy of the vaccine. You know, like is your measles immunocompetency immuno now going to be decreased? And are you more likely to get measles when you go to kindergarten or something like that? That's what all the experts are worried about. Right. I've heard a lot of this. Um, and the other thing that I think about a lot is uh, – and I think about this more than going to my general practitioner is uh, going to the dentist, right? Like I am religious about going to the dentist every six months, getting, getting my cleaning, getting everything done. And I haven't been able to do that. And I was, and my dentist, uh, Dr. Milstein, he's great. He may be on, there's one number on here I don't recognize, but um, you know, it's so important for health to take good care of your teeth. But it's just not fun going to the dentist anyway. 
not fun. No, I mean, I felt very safe, but it was expensive. I mean, it's like buying tires. It really There's is. no gratification, but you got to have it. You really do. Now, um, <laughs> I, I want to say something, Jan. I have some questions for you about your visit. But, yeah. um, you know, like I said to my, de my dentist, like one of the things that's crushing to me is I'm not, I'm not going to the dentist. And I know that from a perspective of health, particularly heart health, it is super, super important to floss your teeth because you can get bacteria between your teeth that can cause heart disease. And Tony, I think a dad, right? And, mm. you know. Yep, definitely. And, and so. I love getting my teeth clean. That's what, I mean, I'm one of those crazy people. My old company, I could go get my teeth cleaned four times a year. Wow. Like it was covered four times a year. Now our insurance is only two times a year. I would go four times a year. I'm the only crazy person that would go four times a year. It made me so happy. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about it. You went in and uh, were you worried about COVID or and, like, how did you, what COVID precautionary things did you do, Jan? Well, so I was supposed to go back in March. And, so and you didn't, you didn't have an infection or you didn't get an infection. That's the big worry right now is that people are delaying going to the dentist and then they, they get cavities and then they get an infection, right? No, no. And I was fine. I mean, you know, and then went in, they take your temperature you know, it was 98.0. I mean, my temperature ranges between, I mean, I didn't know this, but I'm like 96.8 to about 98. I mean, somewhere all in that sweet spot. Great. Um, and so, you know, I you go in, you've got your mask on. I mean, the thing that if I appreciated was what they were more masked up. I mean, when they're like right in on top of you, I'm was so glad that the tech had a shield on. Right. So, yeah. Then the doctor had on, you know, his glasses and, and a true M95 mask or whatever they call those things. So Great. So oh, no, look, I, if your teeth are hurting, you really don't give a damn what's out there in terms of a disease. I'm going to get it taken care of. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tony, you got any comments? Um, you're fundamentally, you're correct. You, you both are. You should really take care of your teeth. You should really floss. Um, you know, the ultrasonic toothbrushes are very valuable, shall we say, very useful. Uh, and you're right. If your teeth hurt, you should go to the dentist to get it taken care of. You still got to take some reasonable COVID-19 precautions. Mm -hmm. and, and like you say, the people are going to wear masks. And, yeah. But... Oh yeah, look, I, I showered, I took, I mean, you know, like everything that I wore in there is, that's way TMI, you know. Like you burned it. I'm assuming the... you burned it, right, Jan? You burned all your clothes? <laughs> it's definitely been, you know, washed on, you know, hot. So yeah, so there was nothing that I didn't just, you know. Yeah, but I think the takeaways, my takeaways are, um, I'm living in a different place. My dentist is not here, right? So I have to make these decisions. My dentist will say, you, you know, use those little brushes that, that are like, um, almost like they look like little metal brushes. Like use those between your tooth too, teeth too. Don't just um, floss, but also use the brushes. So mm -hmm. he said they can be great in keeping your gums healthy, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the takeaway is that three takeaways I take from this is if we have young children that are needing vaccinations along a program schedule, we should figure out how to get those done or at least call our doctors to figure out how to get it done. Because, you know, if we're going to have an outbreak of, a break of measles and you hear this, measles is a serious thing that they yeah, worked yeah. very hard on knocking down for you know, decades. 
we should be doing that. And some of us do have younger kids. Hey, Jim. Well, I, I heard everyone's views on the flu vaccine. And even though I think I, I strongly suspect that this year the flu season is going to be a much milder one, um, primarily because everybody's wearing masks. People are, you know, avoiding touching their faces. And so it's like uh, a ripple effect, uh, not because the virus is not there, but just, just by virtue of other things. Uh, but I'm still, a, for more um, sort of social reasons, I do feel like, you know, I, I would get the vaccine, um, flu vaccine. And every year I, I get my kids to take it. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things. I mean, I may not get it as an adult. I can't remember. The, you know, if I have ever gotten the flu, but um, but I could be a carrier. I could be just transmitting, you know, uh, from one. So, and especially we live in New York City. It's like a petri dish of germs. So um, it really, it really yeah. is. So um, I, I that. But having said that, and much that I'm also. Um, you know, eagerly waiting for the COVID vaccine. I'm also not one of those who, you know, the minute it's released, I would, I would, I'm, I'm like you. I wait for a couple of uh, versions of iPhone to come out before I go get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree with a lot of people on, on, uh, on the call today. And, uh, you know, that. And Tim, congratulations on, I mean, I've been hearing about your incredible journey and all the races and everything. I think it's incredible. So congratulations on your last one. Yeah, no, thank you. I think it's just, it's a way to, to, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know, keep, keep the fitness level up and, and, um, you know, sort of, yeah, just feel, feel good about yourself, so. Well, for you, it's a way of life, right? It's not just about yeah. exercise. It's about your health, I think, right? And Absolutely. trying to stay healthy. And um, I think that we all should uh, endeavor for that. Trying to figure out how we can stay healthy and, um, you know, plan to try and do that. I think it's really important. Anybody else want to talk about anything else? All right. This concludes this week's call. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining. Really appreciate it. Good to see you all. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to meet Thank you. Bye, guys. Take Congrats, care. Bye. Have a good week. Thank Bye. you. Bye.